Hey everyone and welcome to The Green Score. Now, if you're listening to us now, you'll be using the internet. Me and Taylor met over the internet, not, not in a weird way, to be clear, just a professional way. Um, LinkedIn, to be, to be certain. Uh, this podcast is being recorded over the internet. Uh, I spend most of my life on the internet, uh, something I probably need to work on. But we almost can kind of forget just how much the internet is central to modern societies, to literally everything that we do. But have you ever wondered what the impact of the internet is on our environment? Is it good or bad for the environment? And if it's not good for the planet, what can we actually do anyway? Well, we thought we'd look at this at the Green Score today. Now, obviously, it's such a massive topic, this. I mean, the internet is just huge, right? So I'm sure that we can do many, many podcasts on this further down the line. But we wanted to dive in today anyway and just see what we could find out initially. And talking us through today is Taylor. Taylor's going to talk us through today. Woohoo! That's right. Um, my much more intelligent co-host, Um I'll tell you what, Taylor, before we kick off this, what is your earliest memory of the internet? Now, Jake, you told me you were going to ask this. I did. And so I was, I was trying so hard to think what was my earliest memory of the internet. And the one that comes to mind, and I'm sure this is not technically my earliest use of the internet, but the one that comes to mind, did you ever have a Neopet that doesn't know. What, what no? is that? I mean, like a okay. Pokemon? I'm hoping that someone listening had a Neopet, but they were like these little online online pet and you had to feed it and take care of it or else it looked really, really sad. And I remember having this online Neopet when I was, I don't know, maybe 10, 11, something like that. It was all the rage at the time. <laughs> And that is my earliest memory that I can think of, at least, of the internet. What pet did you have? It was like a little elephant. Elephants are my favorite animal, so that's that's why I had one. Did it survive? No, because, Jake, <sighs> I kill everything. It's like me with plants. I j they just die. So my neopet ended up being sad at the end. But for a brief period, we had this joyful relationship over the internet. <laughs> It's like when you when you read about like people being engaged to a car or something. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I know. I think I do remember what that is. That's not what I thought you were going to say. But okay, so just note to self: don't ever let Taylor have an electronic pet. Okay, yeah. understood. Or a real pet potentially, but that's a different matter. Um, no, you're an animal lover, aren't you? I am an animal lover, yeah. and I'm sure if I had a real pet, it would be different. But <laughs> yeah, online pet, no. Uh, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well, um, I, I'd actually, I actually, I asked you, and I hadn't even thought about it myself, but m mine definitely is a dial-up. I mean, this, I'm showing my age here, but uh, when when I when we had the internet, it was a dial-up, and obviously, you know, it'd make that noise. You know, the doo doo. I can't even do it. I don't know why I'm trying, but everyone knows that dial-up noise. And then your parents couldn't ring the phone, so that obviously, when you're on the internet, they couldn't use the phone. Which, as a teenage boy, teenage boys probably know very unfortunate. And it was like. It just, just sit, and now look where we are. It's crazy, isn't it? How far it's come on. So yeah, I, I was, I just realised how old I am. I think that's what I've come to realise. So um, that's okay, yeah, okay, Jake. We love yeah, you thank anyway. You. Thank you very much. I'll take that. So I was thinking about the internet, and it just, I, I mean, it's one of those things that you just accept in life without actually really thinking about mm -hmm. it. And now you start to think about it, you're like, wow, this is huge. So what's the scale? <laughs> Let's start really big, Taylor. What is the scale of the internet? Well, the short answer massive. <laughs> the internet is huge. So I was looking through some stats because I love coming up with fun facts for you. And in 2020, 60% of the world's population was on the internet. 
but there is a big variation depending on where you're from. So that ranges from around 30% of the population in sub-Saharan Africa all the way up to over 90% in North America. So the vast majority of us are, are connected to the internet for daily use. In 2018, the average daily hours spent in the U.S. on some sort of internet-connected device, so that could be your phones, your laptop, maybe your e-reader is connected to the internet, all those sorts of things, that was over six hours per day, which when you think about it is kind of crazy. Just, you know, we're awake, what, I don't know, from 7 to 11, let's say, and six hours of those on average, just on average are on an internet-connected device. For me, I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm on my work laptop for nine hours a day, something like that, plus every extra time I'm preparing this podcast or on my phone for fun. And Jake, I imagine it's similar for you, where you're, you're working off of off of your laptop most of the time. But yeah, six hours per day, on average. Yeah, I, I actually thought it would be more than that. But that actually just shows you how uh, invasive the internet is in our lives, isn't it? Well, I think it's the sort of thing... That's that's counting everyone, right? And there are a lot of people who might have a job where they're not on a computer. And so that means even counting those many, many people whose work does not revolve around a laptop, the average is coming to six hours. So when you think about an average, I feel like it's, it is high, even if the overall number doesn't sound maybe quite as high as you or I would have been expecting. Yeah. Okay. And what about like data? Is there a lot of data? Obviously, we know it's a lot of data. Do you go, just hit me with a number. Let's just get to the I have a number for you, Jake. It is 2.5 trillion megabytes of data are created every day. That's 18 zeros. And honestly, I I don't have a better way of putting that into context for you because 18 zeros is just absolutely massive. But if you think about it with your internet provider, you might get one terabyte, which is one million megabytes of data per month. So that's like this tiny sliver of this overall 2.5 trillion megabytes each day. And I will say the amount of data we're using is growing exponentially. You know, what we were using just a couple years ago is already much less than what we're using today. And coupled with this was some fun facts around searching. So I feel like Google search is a a good indicator of of what we're doing and when we're just searching Twitter or searching Instagram or searching, I don't know, for this episode, I did a bunch of Google searches. And worldwide, there are about 5 billion searches each day. Okay, you've just thrown loads of big numbers. Now, you've obviously got a mathematical mind, Taylor, I do not, so you confuse me. But what I'm getting from that is it's just fucking huge, right? It's massive. Yeah. Absolutely massive. Right. Fine. I think that that's the key takeaway, Jake. <laughs> it's like, it's so big, you can't even comprehend it, basically. Okay, right. That is That's a lot. So the next thing that I thought about was, and this is once again, another thing about art, something you just know that something exists, but then you don't really think about how or why, like, how does it actually work? How does the internet work? I'm not going to go into all of the computer science details, because that's, I don't know, in my opinion, that's kind of boring. But essentially, what the internet is, is a collection of networks. And a network is a group of connected computers that are sending data to each other. And that data is sent through either pulses of light or of electricity, which is traveling through wires or cables. And that's why you need to hook your internet router into the wall, because it still has that physical connection, even if your laptop is not physically connected to to the wall or to your router or whatever. 
Now, as we've started to use more data and we've made our personal devices smaller, if you remember back in the day, those pictures of computers that took up an entire massive room, we don't have that anymore. And one of the reasons, there are several, but one of the reasons is that we've decided to store a lot of our data in a separate location and transmit it back and forth to us. And that's where something called a data center comes in. So a data center is a physical facility that provides computing and networking equipment. It's for collecting, storing, processing, distributing, and giving access to large amounts of data so that you don't have to store the entire Google <laughs> repository on your laptop. You don't have to store the entire chat GPT um, repository on your laptop, which would be topical. insane. Oh, hello, exactly. Yeah. And I, I will like, say, long, I will say. How long is this going to take? <laughs> to come in. This episode was not written by ChatGPT. Just throwing uh, it out there. This was written by Jake and I. <laughs> you, you don't look real. You're an avatar. You'll never know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Our listeners can only hear my voice. I could be anything. Uh, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so this data center, I just want to point out that even when you're using something like the cloud, right, you're saving, you're saving your work or whatever onto a cloud service, whether Google Drive or OneDrive or whatever, it doesn't mean that it's actually in the air and it has no physical counterpart. It does still have a physical counterpart. It's just not on your device. So it would be at one of these data centers. And currently there are about 7 million data centers around the world, more than 30% of which are in the United States. Right. Just getting my head around that. So the data centers, it's, right, I know this isn't really a podcast about the internet, but actually it is interesting, isn't it? Like the, the, I haven't yeah. really thought about how I don't, I'm looking at this laptop now, but there's no data on it. But there is some data on it actually, but actually a lot of the data is going, this, not even for a cable because it's now transmitting to the router over there, which then mm -hmm. goes for a cable to somewhere. God, it's just crazy. I love these sort of things when you actually think about something you just take for granted. Okay, Yeah, me right. too. That's That's part of why I wanted to do this because it's, the internet is everywhere and we just don't think about it, including me. And it wasn't until my mom actually, <laughs> my mom listens to 10 million podcasts, as you know, Jake, including ours. And she was like, oh, I think I heard something that was saying that one search on chat GPT is like the equivalent environmental impact of driving a million miles. And I was like, surely that is not correct. How could that be right? Um, I, I looked it up and it was actually that training chat GPT was the equivalent of driving a million miles. So it's not that every time you search, it has that huge impact. But that just got me thinking, wow, what impact does the internet have? And how does this work? Okay, so what's the environmental impact of the data centers of sharing all this data of whatever else there is of AI, Bitcoin, all of it, but just put it, throw it all in Taylor, very simply. All that jazz. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> what's the impact? I feel like today is just ask me questions and hope that I answer mm. what you want. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, think I will do right. my best. Um, okay. but the big issue with the internet is really that these data centers use an enormous amount of energy. We're talking 2% of the United States electricity is going just to data centers. And that energy is needed both to power the machines inside and to keep them cool. So if you think about your laptop and how it can be get really, really hot if you're running multiple programs, I'm actually feeling mine. We're recording. I have my, my script up. It's getting a little bit warm already. If you have thousands 
of laptops and other electrical equipment in a warehouse-like space, it's going to get toasty pretty quickly. Mm. And so you need to be able to cool that down. And just to be clear, that's just that 2% of electricity is just the data centers. That doesn't take into account plugging in my laptop as an example. That's totally correct. So that's just the data centers, and that's just the data centers in the United States. So I said about 30% of data centers are in the U.S., and that portion of data centers is what is taking 2% of the U.S.'s electricity use. That's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Just data centers, not even plugging in your phone. Now, the thing about electricity use is because, as we talked about in our utilities episode, Something like two-thirds of electricity worldwide is still generated from fossil fuels. You do have a high carbon footprint associated with your data centers. It's actually been estimated that the internet accounts for about 4% of global greenhouse gas emissions each year, which is slightly higher, similar to aviation and shipping combined. And they are growing because we're only using more internet as we keep expanding. So I think that's pretty crazy. This this nebulous internet that feels like it's just in the air. 4% of global greenhouse gas emissions. That's a lot. And and that's obviously based on the fact that 60% of the world's population is on the internet. So as that grows, that will just get bigger and bigger. And as well, I'm guessing, as we use more and more stuff for the internet, although it doesn't feel like we can use any more, but I don't know, we always start using AI, that's just going to get bigger and bigger, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. And I did a little bit of searching around what kind of daily usage of internet looks like. A single Google search uses, uh, sorry, produces about 0.2 grams of carbon dioxide. For this episode, I probably did about 100 searches. So that's about 20 grams of carbon dioxide, which is the equivalent to driving around 80 meters. So I don't feel too bad about... (laughs) (laughs) about my searching for this episode. But again, if you think about multiplying this by how many Google searches you do in a day, in a week, and with everyone that you know around you, that does go up quite a bit. About four grams of carbon dioxide for an email. So send me less spam emails. Come on, easy way to (laughs) reduce emissions. But The big contributor to data use as well as to carbon dioxide emissions is actually streaming. So one hour streaming, there's some variation estimates, but it's around 36 grams of carbon dioxide. So that means um, that you're going to need to watch about 250 hours to match the emissions of flying from London to Paris. And the average American or European would do that in about three months or so. And I will say this is the biggest chunk of internet traffic. So about 60% is going towards streaming. And that one chunk does account for about 1% of global greenhouse gas emissions. Okay, that's a lot. So when you're mindlessly scrolling through more YouTube things or more TikTok videos, maybe pause for a moment and think, A, is this good for my mental health? And no. B, is this, <laughs> is this good for the environment? Absolutely um, not. Wow, that's mental. This is my favorite stat, Jake. I want to tell you this one. So also, when it comes to streaming, there's music and there's music videos, right? Yeah. 
So five billion plays of Despacito. I'm sure everyone knows Despacito. Great no, song. You're gonna have to sing it to us, Taylor. Actually, can you it's just too give early us a, to sing? Can you, can you give us a brief, uh, a brief? Despacito. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. You asked for it. That's what you yeah, get. I did. Um, I didn't think it would but happen. five five billion plays of that music video consumed as much electricity as Chad, Guinea, Somalia, Sierra Leone, and the Central African Republic put together in a single year where do you find these stats they're amazing um <laughs> okay so just repeat that so five billion streams of despa uh despa the, the despacito music video yeah, which we which you just you know very lovely uh good singing that you're welcome um that produced the same emissions as no it used as much electricity as electricity as chad guinea somalia sierra leone and the central african republic use in an entire year so that's six countries with probably tens of millions of people put together that is uh that's, that's genuinely insane that's, that's, that's crazy okay so streaming is actually huge streaming is huge you know, simple Google search is not quite so huge, although they do add up if you do a bunch of them. But the big one is is streaming. And that's really interesting. I'm just I was looking at my TV now, just looking at it, going, yeah, all the stuff I've streamed through it, thinking, well, this is okay. And I do want to point out as well that electricity use and the associated greenhouse gas emissions is definitely the big driver of environmental impacts for the internet. But there are also some concerns around water use. Basically because you can either cool data centers using a lot of electricity or you can dump a bunch of cooling water through them. And because a lot of data centers are located in spots where land is cheap, land is cheap in deserts (laughs) where there's not water. And that can cause a problem with local water consumption. You know, there might be competition between people who live in those regions and the data centers. And the overall number is pretty low. So the Nature Clean Water Journal found that data centers in the U.S. account for about 0.14% of American water consumption. So, you know, it's it's a pretty low number when you look at the entire U.S., but it's important to remember that on a local scale, that impact might look very different. So it's something to consider, especially because a lot of those data centers, again, they're in places that are deserts. A lot of them are in California, which is drought-stricken. So something Excellent. to consider as well. Okay. Are they not making carbon neutral uh, data centers now? I'm sure I saw one in Iceland. It was, you know, like run by hydroelectric power and stuff like mm-hmm. this. Obviously, somewhere cold. So, is that not? Are they not trying to kind of deal with that? Yeah, companies are starting to make a lot of pledges. Um, so you're totally right. One of the greenest data centers is in Iceland. It's all run on either hydroelectric or um, geothermal energy, and they use kind of like natural cold water to be able to cool it so you're not using as much energy there i've seen some slightly crazy articles about companies talking about sticking the data centers underwater in the north sea um so just put it underwater i feel like that would raise a lot of issues around corrosion but i don't know we'll see where that goes but other companies like google for example they're really focusing on switching over to renewable electricity grids because having a renewable electricity grid can really, really lower your impacts. We saw that with the utilities episode, right, where solar or wind, depending on where and how they're made, they can have emissions 10 to 100 times lower than than fossil fuel-based electricity. So that can go a long way towards reducing the impacts of 
electricity use for the internet. Yeah, that, that feels like a really obvious one, doesn't it? If you have mm-hmm. a data center, run it off renewables. I'm sure that there's other stuff around the recycling of parts and whatever, mm-hmm. the computers, but that seems a really kind of easy win. So hopefully it sounds like people are doing something about that. Okay, yeah. what about all the hardware that's needed for the internet? Because it's fun, once again, it's funny, the internet, isn't it? You think of it as this uh, non-physical thing, I don't know, like this organic thing that has no physical presence but obviously i'm guessing that's not the case uh, what about like the servers the cables i mean have you been able to get any information on on that at all yeah i was able to find a bit and so the servers in data centers they aren't just like your laptop they don't need a display they don't need audio and they're optimized to run constantly for one single function you know processing all this data rather than turning on and off and running multiple functions like we would in on our phone or on our laptop. But they do still have similar internal hardware. Like they're going to have magnetic hard drive memory. They're going to have silicon or gallium nitride uh, semiconductor chips, going to have aluminum casing, different plastic components, things like that. And I was just laughing about the aluminum, but sorry, just carry on from the. I can't. The, the, the aluminium. aluminium. I'm just going to yeah. say it like that now, Jake. Um, okay, thank you. The aluminium. Yeah, <laughs> and the plastic associated with the casing. But producing these materials does have environmental impacts. If we think about the magnets, those do often include precious materials that need to be mined. So things like cobalt, sometimes platinum. There are a lot of human rights issues around mining. We saw that with our Valentine's Day episode when we were talking about jewelry. And of course, there's a lot of energy and oftentimes pretty nasty chemicals like different acids that are going in to refine those semiconducting material into your final chips. Also a lot of water use for semiconductor fabs. Now I couldn't really find any info on how much of the impact of internet is associated with the like the manufacturing of these of these materials versus our actual use stage where we're using all this electricity. But I do just want to emphasize that there's all these materials going in, need to be thinking about how we're producing them and also how we're disposing of them. Because e-waste is another big issue, not just with data centers, but also in our day-to-day life. E-waste, it only accounts for something around 2% of global waste generation by weight, but it accounts for 70% of hazardous material waste. Just because you have all these different materials and different components within your electronic equipment. And again, data center is just one piece of that, but it's important to be considering nonetheless. Need to be recycling more, recovering more, so that we can keep things out of out of landfills and also being have to produce less material in the first place. That's a lot, 70%. Is anyone work? I mean, obviously, you know, the NREL, are, you, are people working on this sort of stuff? Or until I had to recycle? Yeah, there's actually... A big push towards working on on e-waste just because there is a lot of value in the components within electronics you know it's it's beneficial for people to want to try to recover those i think right now the recycling rate for electronic waste is something around 30 to 40 percent which it's not it's not zero it's not terrible but definitely has some ways to improve but people are working on new ways of extracting say like the different metals out of e-waste using, some of them are actually using bacteria. So it's called biohydrometallurgy, where you're using bacteria to extract these metals, which I think is pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. Wow. There's so much interesting stuff. The reason I'm interested is that obviously you can can feel that it's bad, but I suppose what normal people like me who aren't working in the industry like you 
it can feel a bit depressing. But with most of these problems, people are trying to work on them in some way, right? Absolutely. There's a lot of awesome work going on to try to solve these problems. And it's just a matter of time before we get there. That's great. Well, look, as, as, a norm, as normal people, a normal consumers, I mean, just thinking about, just thinking about what we can actually do. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing is, I suppose, the, the thing that I can think of is using a, is, is there any way of using a sustainable internet provider? Is that even a possibility? In some places, yes. For you, Jake, it is a possibility ah, okay. because the UK has a company called Green ISP and they use renewable electricity for all of their, their office operations and stuff like that. They plant a tree for every new customer, which is, I mean, it's nice. They encourage the reuse of their routers and their modems. So you're helping to reduce that e-waste problem. And they use that data center in Iceland we were talking about that is rated one of the most energy efficient data centers in the world. So if you're in the UK, Green ISP is an option. In the US, unfortunately, I haven't really been able to find a sustainability focused internet provider. Maybe there are some more local ones out there that I wasn't able to find. So have a look in your, your local area, see if there is anything. But unfortunately, there doesn't seem to be quite as much of a push as there is in the UK. But there is still something you can do, even if you can't find an environmentally conscious internet provider. If you are choosing between cable and fiber optic, go for fiber if you can, if you can afford it. It's better because it doesn't include copper. That means you're not going to have to, you're not going to have to mine copper. It's more efficient, so it uses something like 10 times less energy to send the same amount of data that cable would, and it lasts longer, so you're not going to have to dig it up as often and throw it away as you would with cable. So if you can, try to choose fiber optic. That's mental. Yeah. And it's also quicker, right? Exactly. Terms, you, you get better internet. Okay. That's yeah. interesting. Okay. You spoke a lot about search engines as another thing. I mean... Is there anything sustainable there? Are there any options? So we did touch a bit on how companies like Google, they are already looking towards renewable energy. So Google has a goal that by 2030, they're going to be using 100% renewable energy for their data centers and for their offices. But 2030 is not today. So if you want to choose a more sustainable option today, there are some search engines out there that you could consider switching to. So Ecosia, Ecosia, I don't actually know how to pronounce this. E-C-O-S-I-A, Ecosia. I have actually just switched my personal laptop over to using this, this search engine. And 100% of their profits from ads supports climate action. 80% of that goes towards planting trees. And they focus specifically on planting native species to protect biodiversity rather than just planting, I don't know, 10 million pine trees in places where they don't belong. They also have solar panels. I think they produce something like double the amount of energy required for their services. So they're technically carbon negative. And they are certified B Corp, which we've heard from a few other companies throughout our throughout our episodes that that's a really good indicator that they have passed eco-conscious kind of requirements. So Ecosia, that's a good one to go. And I've had pretty good luck with the results that it gives me. And we'll see how it goes. Okay. And there is one other one that you can consider as well. Ecoru. 
And this one uses ad revenue to partner with things like Big Blue Ocean Cleanup, Operation Poseidonia. (laughs) I apologize. (laughs) I'm butchering these. It's early here. Um, And they are working on removing waste from the oceans and also to replant seagrass. And all of their servers are powered by hydroelectricity. I'm pretty sure it's a New Zealand-founded search um, search engine is where it was started. So you can choose either Ecosia, Ikoru, kind of depending on, on what you want to prioritize, things around ocean cleanup or things around kind of carbon neutrality. So those are a couple good options for you if you want to move away from some of the bigger search providers. Got you. Um, I'm sure that both of them, if they ever hear this, will be complaining to us about you destroying their trademark Probably. by just butchering the name, right? <laughs> I, I, I think Probably. I've, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I've actually heard of, uh, and I can't say either, Ecosia actually before. And I'm pretty sure that they've been around a long time and yeah. probably far before sustainability was in inverted commas cool or, or actually something people thought about. So yeah, I've definitely come across them and, and I think I absolutely love their mission. Okay, so those are those are some things you can do then around uh, search engines, anything else we can do at all to be more sustainable on the internet. Maybe a couple small things. One, you know, consider using less internet when you can. This is also good for mental health. Do you really need to keep scrolling through that social media feed? Probably not. They're designed to be addictive. <laughs> you want to fight back so yeah try to use less when you can if you're just mindlessly searching something to keep yourself from being bored maybe read a book instead i don't know i feel like i'm preaching a little bit here but there you go i I like reading less internet okay use less internet okay (laughs) and the other one which i found quite interesting was that internet over wi-fi tends to be about um half as energy intensive so it's twice as efficient as over a mobile network so when you can, try to leverage using Wi-Fi and connecting there rather than using your, your mobile data. That's such an interesting fact. I wonder why that is. I'm not going to ask you why, because A, you might not know, and B, it's not what this podcast about, but that is really interesting. Yeah. That it's better over Wi-Fi than... Anyway, okay. So just to sum up, actually, though, that just thinking about all this. So as a consumer, there seems to be a couple of things you can do. One, pick fiber over cable if you can. Number two is on the search engine side, search engine side something like ecosia i'm saying that right or one of the others is something that can actually make a positive impact mm-hmm. um and the third thing is in effect try and use the internet a bit less yeah 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 okay which actually like you said i mean i'm thinking i'm just thinking about my own personal internet usage here because you're right i mean i'm still going to stream stuff because that's how because i don't own a you know i don't have a dvd player and no entertainment comes through my set-top box anymore. But I can also think about times when I use the internet just to entertain myself and actually just cutting down that usage would make a difference, right? So, okay, that is interesting. Right, well, look, why don't we do the green score and see if we can kind of sum up this massive topic of the internet. And see if you can remember the colour scheme. Yeah, of course I can. Um, <laughs> so obviously the first one is how easy is it to make the more sustainable choice? So we're going to have, we've got black, brown, grey, forest green, and then lime green. Nailed it, right? How easy is it? How easy is it? So Taylor, you go first, yeah. I would say, honestly, it's it's pretty easy because switching over your search engine, for example, that's a really easy fix. It takes two seconds. <laughs> but 
I'm going to say forest green. I'm going to say forest green, which is, you know, second from the top, not our, our lime green, our top choice. Just because while some of the things are easy, again, switching over search engines, using less, there are some things that are not so easy. You know, if you are working and have Teams meetings all day, how can you reduce that usage really when you're working, when it's required for your work and you need to be streaming video in that way? So maybe there are also some societal shifts that we could think about. But yeah, for now, choosing the more eco-friendly search engines, getting excited for these companies making those those climate neutrality goals and actually hopefully keeping them, I'm going to say overall, forest green. Yeah. All right. What would you do if you mix gray and forest green? You get gray and forest green. Yeah. No, I'm in between those two because I feel like this is one that there are some small things you can definitely do. Like... Mm-hmm. Off the back of this, I'm going to use Ecosia. I think that's a really simple thing I can do. I have no idea what my internet is, but I'm locked into a two-year contract, but hopefully it's fiber, fingers crossed. And actually, I've been trying to cut my my internet usage down anyway, and I think it's just another great push to to stop wasting time on things that aren't important, like social media at times. I know you need it mm-hmm. sometimes, but I definitely sometimes get caught in scrolling just to keep my mind occupied. So, But I just, I'm not sure there's... Uh, this seems a lot out of your control with this one. So I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to be a bit more negative. I'm going to go gray, I think. Okay. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. What about the first second green score? I mean, how much of an impact would it have by making any changes? I'm going to go positive here. I'm going to go lime green just because as we mentioned, 4% global greenhouse gas emissions going to internet. You know, any reduction we can make on that is a great thing. And I think especially as these data centers start switching over to renewable energy, you know, that's going to be a massive drop in those emissions associated with internet. So it can have a really big in- impact, I would say. And it's a it's a relatively easy win in some senses, because a lot of industries, it's hard to switch to renewable electricity, you know, manufacturing of all the plastic we use or of the clothing we use. A lot of that, it might be from fossil fuels, which is harder to decarbonize than electricity is. So this is a pretty easy win. It's all electricity. We can switch to renewables and it could make a big change. So I'm going to say lime green here. What do you think, Jake? Okay. No, I like that. I am going to go forest green. So just one below. I think you're right. I think, first of all, the whole point of this podcast has been how small changes can lead to something bigger. And with something of that scale that we use all the time, yeah, doing something small is actually um, is worth doing. And it's very, like you said, very simple, a lot of this, like using different search engine and using less, the inset less less of the time and actually staring at screen all the time is bad for us. So I think I can see the positive mental health benefits so yeah, definitely positive. I think the only reason I wouldn't go more positive is it seems like a lot of it could be fixed by the infrastructure being greener. And mm. I'm just thinking when you were talking about things like data centers, internet service providers, etc. I don't know of a way yet that would allow me to see, in my case, I use Sky in the UK. I actually have no idea how they, I don't know, they're part of the internet's power, do you know, or, or whether whether they own what's powered or, you know what I mean, you'd have to deconstruct the internet and who owns what mm-hmm. cable, right? So I think maybe when that gets a bit more transparent and you can go, actually, I can use that company to provide my internet and they use that data center, I feel that would push me over to like to lime green. But I still mm-hmm. can see the power in making some changes. So yeah, yeah, I think, you know, not quite as positive as you, but I think it can still make a difference. 
All right. We're switching roles for once. This is a nice yeah. change. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know what's happening. Um, okay, well, look, I think that's been really interesting. Thank you very much for talking us through it. I mean, it, it is interesting, isn't it, in terms of the size. I think the size of the internet, I mean, in some ways it's so obvious, but now you've just confirmed how big it is. I mean, it's just mental, isn't it? And it's actually been really interesting to kind of think about what is the internet? Mm-hmm. And what powers it? Like it's kind of insane, isn't it? So, and I think actually some really good, clear things that we can do. And my favourite one is that last one about um, using your phone less, and how that's just going to have a mental health benefit as well. So, yeah, thanks for talking us through it. Of course, amazing. Well, look, for everyone listening, thank you so much for joining us. As always, if you have any questions on this or any other episodes, you want to learn more, or you have any suggestions about topics you'd like us to cover please reach out. You can find us on greenscorepodcast.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of them, but TikTok because we're not cool enough. And we'd love to hear from you. So yeah, please do get in touch. Taylor, thanks very much for talking us through it. What is going to be, what are you going to change today off the back of this? What am I going to change today? Well, I already switched to Ecosia. You know, that was the big change, but ruined my thunder there. I switched while I was searching for this episode. I made the change. <laughs> love a dynamic change. I love that. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to go and switch to it right now. And actually, it's just another reason to get off my phone a bit more. So I hope you, everyone listening has found it interesting. Like I said, please do keep in touch. Always love to hear from you and can't wait to see you on our next episode.